0: hi everyone welcome to potluck food talks today we're going to talk about
1: soups So, what's the deal with soups phil soups i don't know soups are, soups are tasty soups are good for you <laughs> soups are really good for you do you have any favorite soups or moments where you really think that you would like to have a soup i have them saved in my memory under soup moments or oh, really? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I, I was going to say I have the same, you know, when <laughs> when it's rainy and sad, you really feel like uh, having a chicken soup for the soul, no?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I do have favorite soups. I particularly like gazpacho and salmorejo, you know, I know they're different, but and I like ajo blanco, you know, that, that direction. Yeah. And uh, although I'll probably be chased with pitchforks, um, I think they kind of fall in the same category as sort of like fresh, chilled, tangy vegetable-based soups.
0: Okay, like like a cold cream soup, but with cooked vegetables. That's what you mean.
1: Yeah, but not necessarily with cream. But I like I do I do sort of like chilled vegetable soups, like especially in like late spring and summer a lot. You know. Like a cold vichy soise, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, whether it's, you know, cucumber of, uh, you know, really like a sort of like really sharp cold cucumber soup.
0: Ah, yeah. You know, like this uh, on, I think it's from Hungary. I think it's called tarator. That is like a cucumber yogurt mint soup, a cold one.
1: Ah, I, d- I didn't notice, but that sounds delicious. Yeah, something like that, you know? Or, like, I used to make one out of, um... Well,
0: now, now that I just checked for it, and it's actually a sauce. Oh, yeah? Is it is it a <laughs> sauce or a... No, it is a soup. It is a soup. Yeah, yeah. And it's from Bulgaria, not Hungary.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, a sauce with enough imagination can become a soup, you know, if you're brave enough. Sure.
0: Yeah, or, or uh, a cream soup. Uh, if you just make it thicker, it can become a puree. You know, like it's just a matter of consistency
1: of texture. Okay. Yeah. You don't. You don't seem to agree on that. <laughs> no, no. Of course, of course, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think the line between you know making something thinner and drinking it as a soup rather than a sauce, it can very quickly go from oh, this is a really good idea to a psychopath. You know, <laughs> I think if you start drinking, <laughs> if you start drinking gravy or uh, or vanilla sauce, you know, creme anglaise, as some people might maybe, in, you know, suggest. You no know, fingers pointed.
0: But I mean, if you add, if you add water to a gravy, that that will become kind of like a stock, right? That you can use like a as a soup base. It's not like I mean, it's not like the most orthodoxical thing or or best idea. But <laughs>
1: I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. You know. Like, I agree with your theory, <laughs> but the practical side kind of uh, makes me, you know, if I saw somebody do that, you know, just be like, oh, I'm just going to take this gravy and just put some water out soup and then drinks it. I'd be like, Whoa. add some water and some vegetables. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd slowly move away towards the nearest exit. But I mean, also purees, it's super common here in,
0: in, in Spain that you call purees a very thick soup. And you eat it with the spoon, like, uh, you know, like from a bowl,
1: like a potaje. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I have to tell you, I grew up in Spain eating potaje de, uh, de verdura in the school canteen. And I'm still traumatized by that. Like, cause they used <laughs> to, they used to uh, force you to eat everything, you know? And like, it was like just this bland, horrible brown sludge of cooked vegetables, you know? It was, it was really, really awful. And still to this day, because potaje can be really nice. But like when I smell like potaje, I'm like, I get shivers. But going back to
0: gazpacho, do you have any like hints or tips on how to make gazpacho or any preferences? Mm,
1: What I do often, I take the ingredients and I I marinate them. So like if I, for example, if I have like um, tomatoes and stuff, or I say I have tomatoes, garlic, spring onion, like I'm just making something up, spring onion, you know, blah, blah, blah. And say, you know, I don't know, some herb, coriander, a little bit of coriander or whatever. I know it's not traditional, so don't come after me, but... Boy,
0: they they got the the paillanos are listening right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They're going to Jamie Oliver use. Yeah, exactly. So we need a Spanish version of um, Uncle Roger, Spanish version. It was sort of like, (laughs) no, what's he doing? (laughs) Yeah, anyway, but like I take the ingredients, I cut them and I like marinate them in a bowl. So like I'll add the salt, maybe some sugar, a dash of vinegar, and I'll just let them macerate before I blitz them all and stuff. I That's what I do, you know, even with the olive oil and everything that I'm going to add, maybe not the bread, but yeah, that's what I do. And I feel like it kind of releases the juices from the vegetables and kind of helps it. Yeah, that's a very good practice to do that. Like with
0: gazpacho, I have like something that, that I've learned that people from abroad usually do wrong is that adding too much of everything You know, like, uh, I think a gazpacho should be, like, 80% tomato or your base. If you're making it with strawberries or watermelon or whatever, that should be, like, at least 80%. And things like onion and garlic, that should be, like, super little, like, almost nothing. Because I've seen people, like, adding a whole onion and a whole cucumber, and then you have, like, this mixed salad, and, okay, that can be super healthy, but but it, it doesn't get the... Right taste of aspacho, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, a whole onion is just like, you want to, you know, you want to add accents of stuff, you know?
0: Exactly, exactly. And here, the, the ones that you can buy from the supermarket, I really like the one that is without cucumber. For some reason, I think it just mm. tastes better. Like, I don't know why, it has like, like less uh, bitterness. And the other thing that I think it's uh, for me, it's relevant for, for a gazpacho to get like, like the distinctive flavor is the sherry vinegar, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think this like tart vinegar like touch is really important. Gazpacho really is a thing that really is made or broken by seasoning it correctly. I think also like there I, in a gazpacho is really important that you push the salt and you push the, the, the vinegar spike and that everything's kind of like in balance. Because otherwise, it's just kind of like a little bit like meh. But like I've eaten gazpachos where it really like made me stop. And I was like, man, this is so delicious, you know? And with those simple things, that's like the most, the coolest thing. If you eat something like a salmorejo, you know, which is like almost no ingredients, you know? And you eat it and you're like, man, this is absolutely delicious. And it's just because it's made really well and seasoned really, really well.
0: And what about doing gazpachos with cooked vegetables? Have you done that ever? Like? tomatoes or these kind of things and then seasoning it like a gazpacho and you have like a cold soup but with cooked vegetables which is like something where the gazpacho nazis go really
1: crazy uh, but yeah i mean it's like a valid cold soup i i have done that actually um and uh, with like really good results also like the one thing that i can remember i i made a gazpacho where i used part just like no raw tomatoes and then a big part of roasted red peppers that I just like brushed with olive oil, salt and just like roasted in the oven until they were really kind of like soft and mushy caramelized. And that gave a super nice sweetness and um, really nice like roasted pepper flavor. Uh, afterwards, it works really, really well. Yeah. yeah. Well, The first restaurant where I work, we would like do like
0: this kind of gazpacho, but just, just for the reason that it would, Last longer. That was the only criteria behind it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was just like a, you know, like a business decision. Yeah. What about Asia? I was traveling in Asia with John Reggefog and I remember we were eating this noodle soup and some street food vendor place. And I remember him saying, this is so underrated in Europe. Like just having like a nice, you know, like a nice broth, strong flavored with, with noodles. And that's it. There's your soup. You know, you, you know, yeah, and that there are millions of variations
1: that you can do with that, yeah, for sure. Like, I Asia has such a crazy soup culture, you know, if you think of far, uh, you know, with these amazing like beef broths, and um, or like you know, China, which did like I mean, like a million different soups and broths, but in, like Japan, I had that experience in Japan where I really sort of like discovered like the dashi culture, oh, yeah, and where I remember like what, like the beginning time when I moved to Japan, because also the temperature is different. Soups are served boiling hot in Japan, you know, or they should be anyway. It's like you take this boiling broth and you take the first zip and it like goes through your entire body, you know, like that feeling. And that's something that is really ingrained and like I feel like in the Asian cooking culture, like mentality, that is kind of missing in the Western world, you know, I mean, in J- Japanese, like, um, so sort of Kaiseki restaurants, you know, you have the, the dashi course, you know, the soup course, where often you get like an Ichiban dashi. Um, Ichiban, uh, dashi being like the. F- That's uh, the cold one. No, no, the Ichiban dashi is, um, so when you have katsubushi, the first infusion. Because often you can, like, do like one infusion, you strain it off, you can do a second infusion, which then often is used for cooking. Exactly. Is it is the strongest, the purest, uh. Yeah. Dashi. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, where the dishes are kept super, super simple. And I mean, the dashi there's, you know, it's so simple. There's hardly any ingredients in there, but exactly because of that, the, like the balance, the products, like the ingredients and the execution, they have to be perfect. I I mean, anybody who's tried to make dashi at home and has never done it has probably had a really difficult time replicating a dashi that they've had at a restaurant because it's just not that easy, right? Because it's like very fickle, it can go wrong really easily and you need to have really good ingredients and you need to understand those ingredients. And if you don't get the balance right, suddenly you have this really horrible, horrible broth.
0: Yeah, and also dashi is so versatile. Have you ever done like risotto with dashi or these kind of things?
1: Oh, well, a risotto with dashi? Probably, I've done I've done a beurre blanc with dashi, like a katsubushi beurre blanc. That was quite nice. Oh, nice. nice. That yeah. sounds really good. With like this like little smoky ham flavor of the katsubushi.
0: When I was in Mugaritz, they had this dish. It was a, a piece of foie gras on a dashi broth uh, with with raw cherries on
1: top. That was funny amazing. Oh, that sounds really good. That sounds nice. Yeah.
0: Well, in, in Germany, when I, when I was working in restaurants in Berlin, it was super common to have like a uh, daily soup in a restaurant—that's super common to to have that, and it's usually this cream soup. Yeah, you know, like just like a a very liquid puree, and Germans love it with cream. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I do too.
0: I'm not such a fan of the uh, of of these creams. And there was also this time where they would call it cappuccino and put some, you know, like this air on top of the cream soup, like a mushroom cappuccino and this kind of things.
1: Honestly, there was a time in fine dining when you arrived at the table, the first like course or like the amuse that you would get would be like a cream soup that was foamed up in like a little espresso cup. Exactly. And I have to say that I really liked that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I do. Like it was often really terrible, but I remember a situation where I was a kid when we, like my, my parents took me to like nicer restaurants where we had those soups and like a nicely made cream soup, for example, like a celeriac cream soup, right? Or like a nice leek or like a nice vichy swath, you know? But like nicely made, good texture, really fine, really nicely seasoned, you know? And then foamed up and you drink it and you're like, mm, and it just like coats your mouth and it's just delicious. And I think it's really cool. I like it. I, I think we should bring back the cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And also, the, these creams, uh, the, these are so incredibly easy to do. It's just basically just boiling some vegetables and creaming them up. I I just recently did, did like a a celery uh, cream soup with with potatoes and truffle, and and, and that's one of my bottle Oh yeah,
1: that's a-
0: yeah. I I always do that like for. When I have the ingredients available, like for celebrations and so on, people go crazy because it's like
1: something completely different and aromatic. I mean, that's a winning combination. It's such a classic combination. Celeriac, potato and truffle is so good. I, you know, when I was at the Basque Culinary Center, I uh, recreated this dish from Daniel Berlin in, uh, in Sweden, where he has the, the uh, celeriac that he roasts for like hours and hours and hours until it's super black. And he serves that with a sauce that's made from like the celeriac from the day before, like roasted celeriac and blah. And I made this like, because it's grilled, it's like a little bit smoky. And I made this really classic sort of sauce, you know, like sweating down leeks and onions and a little bit of garlic, you know, the celeriac in there, like a a stock made from the celeriac skins. And then just a dash of cream made it really light. So like when you like foam it up, it's like really frothy. And man, and just like that, it's like a thing that kind of like, okay, you can make a celeriac cream soup, but if you get the base nice and you cook it nicely, a soup can be like amazing. You know, it's like making sauces. It's easier than making sauces, but it's the same thing where it's sort of like, if you get the balance right, it's just super, super nice.
0: Exactly. It's just understanding the balance. For instance, this one, this celeriac cream soup, I usually make like at least 70% celeriac to 30 potatoes, like that, that kind yeah. of of balance. Uh, what about fish soups? That's a, a complete new world, a different world like from what we've been talking so far. Yeah. Have you tried the, the fish soup from Elcano?
1: I've never been to Elcano.
0: Oh, you haven't? Oh, okay. Well, they, they, they give you this fish soup that is dark brown. You know, it's from, from roasted fish bones, from all the fish they they have, and yeah. it's like a super deep fish flavor. It's incredible. It's like a
1: must if you go there. Oh, that sounds really good. And
0: also all this, all these bones are roasted
1: and, and charcoal, you know, like which makes it even better. That sounds super nice. Yeah, I love, you know, like making a good fish soup is not easy. I think it's one of the most difficult soups to make. You know, like making a nice bouillard base. I don't. I think it's not easy at all and um, you never see that in restaurants anymore i mean you live in a in a place where you know you're spoiled by good seafood and lots of seafood restaurants but like i feel like um restaurants nowadays um that are not at the coast, like, you, you never see a fish soup anymore. It's a shame.
0: Yeah, and a, and a bouillabaisse is also, like, a like an expensive soup. Yeah. Like, if you want to, to get a good one in Marseille, I haven't been there, but I have a, a friend that, that is from there, and he, he told me, like, you have to pay quite some
1: money for it. Yeah, which it shouldn't be because it used to be leftover, like le- not leftover fish, but like rockfish, you know.
0: Exactly, but like, a, like a proper, proper one, you should be using like, like many different types of fishes and also saffron, you know, like, and also the the, the know how, like you're charging for for all of these things.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, but but also like making uh, like we used to make like a fake bouillabaisse and, and the same restaurant where we would. Uh, make uh, gazpacho with cooked vegetables and this one we would like it was basically kind of like a cream soup with uh, with different vegetables uh, and when the fish bones and everything then we would like blend it and strain it and then bring it up to a point with uh, pastis mm. and and i remember that with that soup is where I learned to to put salt, you know, like where you add and yeah. taste, add and taste until you have the the proper amount. Also, the the point of you know spiciness. This one had had a little bit of, of hot sauce, which is not French at all. But but this was like a Caribbean bouillabaisse.
1: Mm, sounds good.
0: Yeah, that, that that was like a super interesting process. And this also remind me one of my favorite soups in the world is like a Peruvian shrimp soup called chupe. Oh yeah. Which is something similar that I just explained, like where, where you uh, blend all the heads of the of the shrimps or langosins or whatever you're using the crustaceans you're using, and then strain it, and you have like this powerful uh, crustacean soup, which is amazing, mm, like a like a bisque. Yeah,
1: exactly, like a Peruvian bisque, basically. Ah, oh, that's mm-hmm. amazing. That's super nice bisque. Also, one of my hey, bisque is not really a soup; it's more like a sauce. But <laughs> no, don't you think?
0: I mean, like, uh, it's a matter of use, right? If you eat a sauce like a soup, it becomes a soup, no?
1: That's very
0: debatable, I
1: think. (laughs) (laughs) It's like me saying, you know, like, hey, my favorite soup is if I leave a tub of, you know, chunky peanut butter Ben & Jerry's out on the counter, and then I put a straw in it and drink it. That's my favorite soup.
0: What is the line between a tomato sauce and a tomato
1: soup? What is the line? No, no, you run out of arguments. It's mental stability. That's the line, you know?
0: (laughs) What about sweet sauces? Have you ever used like a a creme anglaise, like a sweet soup? Where you put like, I don't know, like like a pear cooked in wine in the middle and you have like the
1: soup around? Yeah, but is it a soup or is it a sauce? That's the thing. Because I've definitely put vanilla sauce around a poached pear. I've done that. (laughs) But I would never call it a soup. I mean, the moment the moment where you need a spoon to eat it, it becomes a soup. That's I I don't know if somebody asked me, it's like, could I? I really feel like eating soup. Could you bring <laughs> me a soup? And I'll bring them an eel flottant with, uh, <laughs> you know, or profiterole with chocolate sauce. That's not a soup. I mean, well, first of all, uh, like this
0: uh, analogies of uh, savory courses in the sweet world are just that analogies. When where you to, an ice cream sandwich, or you know, like this kind of things. So, of course, it's not really a sandwich. You know, it's like True. Just a-
1: Yeah, of course. What are words anyway? You know. And most importantly, you know, you feel you do whatever you feel like you want to do. You know, just don't let anybody judge you for drinking <laughs> melted ice cream or watered down tomato ketchup. If that's what you want to do, you know, <laughs> then then do it. Watered down tomato ketchup. But um, I've actually had a sweet soup, which was actually a soup in Budapest, Okay, which I had never seen like that and which was absolutely delicious. Um, You know, the German dish, Rote Grütze? Um, It sounds reasonable, but I'm not sure. So it's basically like a mix of red fruit that's cooked and thickened. Often it's thickened with tapioca pearls. So you have like tapioca pearls in the mix and and it's like thick. You usually eat it with vanilla sauce, and in in Budapest, I had something that was similar to that. So it was like red fruit that were kind of cooked in the like cooking liquids, which was like a little bit clear and slightly thickened and chilled. Okay. And if I recall correctly, you ate that with I, I want to say vanilla ice cream, but I I don't really remember. But the thing is that it was like, it was not a sauce. It was definitely a soup because of the consistency. You couldn't have called it a sauce, but this, this like very sweet, but yet fresh acidic soup really chilled down of like berries and, and fruits. It was really, really delicious and really refreshing. And I had never seen a sweet soup like that. Well, also in
0: the, this recent trip to Asia, we had like, uh, our first dinner wasn't a Cantonese restaurant in Singapore. And for dessert, there was like this also kind of like a sweet soup. It was like a kind of like, like a aromatized syrup with candied fruits inside. Oh yeah. So you, and you would eat it with a spoon, something like, mm. like a typical Chinese dessert.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. That's really nice also. And I mean, I guess, you know, not now thinking about it, but they often have a similar thing in Japan with the azuki beans. Oh Yeah. In a in a in a sort of sweet soup syrupy sort of situation, which is uh, is very nice. Yeah. What
0: about all this uh, bean stews? Would you call that a soup? Like having you know, like black beans, uh, and you you're eating them with a spoon
1: on a. I mean, a, a stew is not a soup. Not not necessarily. I mean, but but you know what I mean, like alubias, like black beans, you know, like. It really depends, you know, like it's hard to pin down. When is a soup a stew? When is a stew a soup? You know, what's the what's the space? I think it's just a comes down to consistency. But like, yeah, I, I really love um bean soups. They're one of my favorite things to eat, actually. You know, like a a lamb broth, like a really nice lamb and beef broth with like fat white beans in it and like um a little bit of vegetables. Um I especially like it, you know, the like fennel green. Like chopped fennel green on top of that. That's yeah, I love that. You know, lots of black pepper. Yeah, that sounds really good.
0: Well, uh, in Venezuela there is like a super typical black bean soup. I just recently went to a pop up of Aaron, who is a Venezuelan chef uh, here in San Sebastian, and he did just that. Uh, uh, he sent us uh, like the the amis food was just like a small plate of, of black beans, like the same way you would have them in Venezuela. he's a, he's a Venezuelan chef. And also with with this sour cream on top, like this just brought yeah. me to my childhood, and it was so, something so simple, you know. You just have three bites of it, and I think like that that's really cool. What you just said with the cappuccino at the beginning of a, a, a menu or in, in a fine restaurant, because it, it really sets the tone, and it's something like really homey and comfy, like having, you know, like a soup to to start a, a
1: menu. Yeah. What about onion soup? French onion soup. Overrated. <laughs> I think it's overrated. Yeah. It's probably one of the best things I cooked when I was uh, a teenager, you know, like when I like started cooking things just by myself and like, yeah, sure. It's okay. It's fine. You know, but, um, I'm, I'm not the huge, I'm not the biggest fan.
0: But having it like with a dark, strong meat broth and grating it with cheese on top, like the whole thing like that, you're think saying it's like, yeah. Okay. I'll get yeah, get I
1: don't know. Like, like, sure, it's nice, you know. Maybe I just haven't had the full, like, the the real uh, onion soup experience. But like, it's okay. I wouldn't like look at it on a menu and be like, oh yeah, French onion soup, you know. Borscht. Borscht, I really like. I love borscht. Yeah, I've had really good borscht when I was in my first year of apprenticeship. When I started cooking, um, this Russian guy was in passing through the kitchen that I was in. And he made borscht one time for some reason, and he made it with roast goose, and um, which is like not common at all, as far as I know. But it's he was a really good chef, and uh, it was super super delicious. And uh, like a well-made borscht, is really really nice.
0: There is also this uh, soup in Berlin that is kind of like a half half vegetable cream, half chopped vegetables, like with sausages. Do you know which one I mean?
1: No, Berliner Kartoffelsuppe. I mean, yeah, but that's uh, like a potato soup. Yeah, but with uh, with
0: sausages and little pieces of vegetables.
1: Oh, I mean, that's that's very common for a potato soup uh, in Germany. That's not okay. necessarily just Berlin. Um, yeah, like pieces of sausages and um, and that. I personally really like a potato soup. Again, it's like one of those things where if it's like well made, it's absolutely delicious. Uh, But you just don't get it very well made a lot of the times, you know, which is a shame. Um, But yeah, I I could go for that. It's got nostalgia factor for sure, you know. (laughs) Yeah, or mushroom cream soup. My grandma used to make mushroom cream soup, which I really like. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. mm.
0: Well, I remember when I was working in this restaurant where we would make soups every day, the best seller for some reason was uh, tomato soup, which I think is like, that's something I would never order, for instance. True. But I but I, I do know that a, a good potato soup is something really nice. Uh, there was a restaurant we would do one, which uh, a chef started doing it. And then when we, you know, that, like wrote the recipe down, he would add uh, red wine to the tomato soup and it was very good, man. Oh, wow.
1: I've never heard that. I really love uh, tomato soup. Like um, I really like the, one of the few things that I really like uh, from the States. This like thing of eating tomato soup with like grilled cheese sandwich next to it. I think that's really great. I love that. I actually just remembered a really outstanding soup that I had last year. It's one of the tastiest things I I ate throughout the year. Uh it was in a restaurant in Berlin called Barath. Um and uh old food was very nice, but um the they had a soup on, which was just a small cup of soup, but it was like by far the most delicious thing there. It was a sweet corn soup and it was served with toasted hazelnuts, like quite a lot of brown butter, like kind of like swirled on top and marjoram. Okay. And it was so fucking tasty, like brown butter, nuts, marjoram, great, you know, but like the soup it was just like really smooth consistency, great sweet corn flavor and just like perfectly seasoned, like to the point where it was almost too salty, but just almost and it was like, it was a perfect example of kind of like just really, really well cooked. And it was like, you know, you eat it and it's, you, you're left so satisfied, you
0: know? I, I mentioned red wine, but also adding white wine to cream soups. I, I think it's a super good idea. And that's
1: like this layer yeah. of, of acidity and some, some fruity notes, uh, which is cool. For sure. Especially with vegetable soups, like vegetables, they're so sweet in general, unless you're using like a, Tomato, but if you're using any sort of root vegetables or whatever, or onions, you know, they're like very, very sweet. You need to sort of like counterbalance it. I also think like a small dash of like a white vinegar.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: At the end of a soup, like a white balsamico or like a white distilled vinegar can really lift the soup. I think it's really good. I really like adding a, a, a splash of vinegar when I do lentils, for instance. Oh, for sure. For me, it's necessary, like, at the end, you know, adding, like, a good dash of vinegar. That's it for this week's episode of Potluck Food Talks. If you like what we're doing, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok as Potluck Food Talks. The show airs every Monday.